now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. Here's Pete, Rob, and Lisa. Last week, I brought up the fact that I get a pit in my stomach this time of year when school starts. And Lisa, what is your response? You're not in school anymore, Pete. I am not in school anymore, but I still get the pit. Amy Morin is our psychotherapist. You can find her at verywellmind.com. When we need help, we call Amy, and she's on the phone. Amy, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I don't want to go too deep into my childhood here, but every year (laughs) I get a pit in my stomach at the end of August, beginning of September, when school starts. Why is that? Well, much like you, I do as well. I grew up in Maine, and so as soon as we'd see, like, the leaves start to turn or you feel that little crispness in the air, I would think, oh, and I still get it to this day. I think some of us do that just because as kids, we dreaded the end of summer. Yes. And it meant, oh, thing. And so even though these days we aren't going back to school, our bodies still act like it is because we were trained in to think end of August or beginning of September means the end of fun and the beginning of having to go to school again. Oh, my God, Lisa, I am normal. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, man. Oh, no, I can't make fun of him anymore. No, you can't because Amy has the same problem. There's so many people listening right now that this happens to because they know this is it. We're going to have to buckle down. We have Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas to look forward to. But, you know, we've talked about uh, SAD, seasonal affective disorder, and that's going to be happening to some people pretty soon, isn't it? It is. And that's another thing is when we know school starting up again, it kind of means, oh, summer's over. Before you know it, we are into the holidays. Uh, Winters are long in a lot of places and people start to think another year of my life has gone by. Even though we look at New Year's as a fresh start, we also know that September for a lot of people is sort of like, okay, coming into the very end of this year, what have I done? All those goals I had this year, things are going to change. And then when the days start to get shorter, the weather gets colder. A lot of people do struggle with seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, I get the pit in my stomach when I see the first dead leaves on the ground. That's my pit. Not so much kids going back to school, but those first leaves, ooh, it hurts. Yeah, summer is short in a lot of places. That's why I moved to South Florida where it lasts year-round. Year <laughs> Smart. Reason, Smart. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because when, when summer would end, I would have that exact same feeling of, oh, winters are long, it's dark, it's cold, it's hard to hard to get out and do a lot of fun stuff when you live in a cooler climate sometimes. Well, can you give us some back-to-school tips or direction for parents and kids? Yeah, this year is going to be different for a lot of families. Everything that kids have been through for the past few years and so many questions about uh, the state of everything going on and health issues and even from school shootings that kids have more anxiety now. So I think it's important for parents to, to be flexible and to know, okay, this is different this year and you don't have to treat it like it's exactly the same. A lot of kids missed out on a lot of activities over the past few years. So acknowledge that. Talk about how, how this year might be a little bit different from years in the past, what they might be sad that they missed out on. You know, just let them let them talk about their fears and rather than say, hey, don't worry about it or that's not a big deal. If it's a big deal to them, acknowledge that. I can tell you're really worried about this. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. I love the open lines of communication. Oh, but they're so hard because your feelings can feel so overwhelming um, at a younger age if you haven't experienced some of them before. Do you think with all of the stress and the upheaval of the pandemic and the increase in school shootings, it's important to let your kids know that they can take a mental health day. Do you think students could benefit from this? 
That's actually a great question. So over at Very Well Mind, where I'm the editor-in-chief, we teamed up with parents to ask this very question. We wanted to know, is it okay for kids to take mental health days? We know that there are 12 states right now where schools have a certain number of mental health days that kids are allowed to take. And so we just wanted to know, do parents know about this? How do they feel about this? And we found that the overwhelming majority of parents, almost three quarters of them, said, yeah, I'm comfortable with my kids taking a mental health day. And 56% of parents said, yeah, I've let my kid take a mental health day. But it wasn't everybody. Some parents were still concerned about the stigma. Like, I can't tell the teacher my kid was out for a mental health reason. And some parents were, you know, said, it's just really not an option. If I'm going to let my child stay home, I have to stay home from work, and I'm not able to do that. Or I just don't have the resources in order to, to do that. Or what would I let my kid do? It's sleeping in. Does that count as a, as a mental health day? So there's still a lot of questions about it. But I do think there are times when it's appropriate to let kids stay home. I think we don't want to do it too often, or we don't want to let them stay home just because they're maybe anxious about giving a presentation. We want them to learn it's okay to face some of those fears. But on the other hand, we want to teach them how do you take care of yourself or how do we know when you need to get help? You might take a mental health day to go meet with a therapist or have a checkup with a doctor, but to talk about, you know, is this normal? Are these sleep habits or changes in appetite okay? What should we expect? Just showing kids it's important to take care of your mental health just like it is your physical health. You know, they always talk about the best of times and the worst of times. Worst of times is the best of times. The pandemic, the worst of times. But one of the great things that <laughs> came about after the pandemic or what we found out is people talking about mental health in these mental health days. Yeah, if I had to pick a silver lining, that would be it. We had these celebrities forward and we had so many people who came out and said, gosh, I struggle too. And it seemed to be like it opened up lines of communication for people to say, okay, uh, it would be weird if I said, gee, I've been locked in my house for three weeks and I feel great. Most of us were going to be able to say, <laughs> yeah. no, I've lost a lot of the coping strategies I had. I can't go out and see, see people. I can't go to the gym. I can't do a lot of the things that kept me mentally healthy. And it made us really become much more aware of what things in our lives keep us mentally healthy. And when you start subtracting those things one at a time, our mental health deteriorates. So what do I want to add back into my life? And same for parents as well as same for kids to say, what do we do to make sure that we create this healthy environment on any given day? Our mental health declines based on what's going on around us. We talk so much about mental illness and mental health, but nobody's 100% mentally healthy or 100% mentally ill. Where we fall on that continuum varies from moment to moment sometimes, depending on what's going on around us. Do you think for students who are unable to take a full mental health day because their parents can't take time off, do you think it's beneficial maybe on those days to say, okay, go to school, but maybe let's not do your four extracurriculars after school that day? Yes. I do agree with that completely, that there are a lot of kids who are way overscheduled and they're stressed out and they have homework to do, but then they have these after-school activities they're supposed to do and they come home and they just aren't enough time for them to unwind, relax, and play. So I think that would be a wonderful thing sometimes is to step back. And if you're sprinting from activity to activity after school and on the weekends to think about that, what are you teaching your kids? And how can you teach them that it's okay to just do nothing sometimes and it's healthy to unwind and to let kids have free time. They can be bored. And we want them to learn that that's okay and that being by yourself is fine, doing slower paced activities, relax, they can do what they want to do. They don't always have to be on the go. Amy, as a parent to a teenager, I do love when Charlie McMurray plays sports because it does give him a schedule because too much downtime is not good for him. 
flip side of the you coin. You gotta know your kid. Uh, you, you gotta, gotta know, know your but kid. But on the other on the other side of the coin is uh, we give him a lot of downtime, and we 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 tell him, you know, take some downtime. But here's your schedule. You gotta get your homework done, and then you can play Xbox or hang out with your friends or go to a movie. And that is important too. Kids need enough stress, so we know if on a Monday a teacher says, "Hey, this homework assignment's due on Friday," and we give kids all the time in the world. A lot of them aren't going to start it until five minutes before it's due anyway. But when kids have activities and they do have a schedule, then they're like, oh, okay, if I'm going to get my homework done, I only have from four to five o'clock today to really work on my homework. So they're more likely to do it as opposed to if they had the entire evening free. So we should give them some activities. You just want to make sure that you aren't giving them so many that they don't have that down, right. downtime. Yeah, don't worry. We're not. Uh, Amy Morin is <laughs> on the phone with us. She is a psychotherapist. I want to get back to parents for a second because I have some friends that they have a kid in college for the very first time. Mm. And I also have friends that are empty nesters for the very first time. So can you give, changes. give those parents advice with the kid that went away to college? They also have some other kids that are still in school. But... The empty nesters. Wow. This is a shocker. It is. And so for parents to suddenly say, well, now what do we do? What do we talk about? We don't have those sports activities to go to. So we're finding a lot of couples are saying, okay, now's our time to figure out that we like each other aside from all the activities we were doing as parents. <laughs> How do we reconnect? How do, what's my leisure time activities look like? And to resist the urge to hover too much when you have a, a college student or a child who has moved out of the home uh, trying to be overly involved in their lives sometimes fills a void for parents to think, okay, as long as I know where you are and what you're doing 24 seven, I'll feel better, but it's not healthy for the kids. So to be able to disconnect and know, okay, it's, this is your chance to try to figure out how are you going to manage your boredom, your loneliness, your anxiety without becoming uh, overly attached so that you are overstepping your bounds with your, with your young adults now. We're close to this couple, and we just went out with them uh, a few nights ago, and I asked how she was doing, and she said, I'm depressed every day. I can't wait to go visit. I go, well, you got to give your son his space. He just went Mm. away to school two weeks ago. So how do you manage that where you want to go see your kid, you're an empty nester? What do you do? Yeah, I think it's about figuring out what's reasonable, what's healthy for you, what's healthy for them. So we know some college kids come home every weekend. Some really want to do that. But you want to make sure, am I making, helping them to empower themselves? Maybe they like to come home to do their laundry and you have Sunday dinner together. But then they go back and they have their own space. What you don't want to do is to keep them dependent on you, right? This is your chance to work yourself out of a job where they can still call <laughs> you. You can still have these conversations, but you don't want them to depend on you for uh, everything, to manage all their emotions still or to manage their day-to-day lives. I I was a college professor for a long time, and we had parents that would call to wake their kids, college students up to go to class on time. Oh, jeez. You don't want to do that. You want to make sure that you're teaching them, okay, what can you do, and how do you problem solve that? And this is your chance to say, okay, now they're a young adult. The ball's really in their court, and how can I support them without overstepping those bounds? Is this maybe also a good time to turn off the features on your phone that let you know exactly where your college (laughs) is? age student is at all times. Life 360, maybe. I'm not ready to turn that off. I know, but you know, maybe that's a thought. Maybe oh. that's the right time to untether. Now is not a good time to say that to my <laughs> wife since my son is a but senior in high, in high school. I know, but that's all we're talking about. Uh, next year at this time, he's going to be gone. That's all we hear. Yes.
And it is tough, and to know, oh, how do I, how do I know that you're okay? And when you're in college, you won't necessarily text me back within two minutes anymore. So then, how am I going to trust that you're okay? But it's really the opportunity to say, okay, we did a good job raising them while they were in the home, and now I have to trust that they're okay. If they need something, they can call. When parents really doubt this, I like to play a game called "Remember What You Survived When You Were a Kid." Right? Most of us, <laughs> our parents would have been would have been arrested for not making us wear seatbelts and not. Um, um, for smoking in the car, all the things that we went through, but we lived. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you know, okay, my kids probably didn't get subjected to a lot of the things I went through, but yet I gave them the skills, the tools that they need, and now that they're out of the house, hopefully they'll they'll be able to flourish. And if I follow them around too much, if I hover too much, I'm going to rob them of that opportunity. Right. Amy Morin, psychotherapist, verywellmind.com is the website. Amy, you're the best. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. More of The Pete McMurray Show next.